You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. I was reading a, a book this week and looked on the back cover to see a blurb that said, this book is sure to put the cat among the pigeons among, and it went on. I like that phrase, uh, the cat among the pigeons, the fox among the hens, or he likes to poke the bear. Now, these, these are all pregnant phrases to describe experiences that we've all had. You know, that pleasant Sunday lunch that devolves into chaos because someone just had to speak their mind. Our social situations are often delicate among polite people and they can go off the rails when a provocative bull enters into our social china shops. And you, and you may not think of Jesus this way, but in the Gospels, he is one of those proverbial bulls. Jesus puts the cat among the pigeons on almost every page of the Gospels. Tear down this temple and I will raise it up again. Woman, your sins are forgiven you. If your eye offends you, then pluck it out. Zacchaeus, come on down out of that tree. I'd like to eat in your house today. And how about Jesus on building a diplomatic relations with the religious leaders of the day? You brood of vipers. You whitewashed sepulchers filled with dead men's bones. Now, I have to imagine that being around Jesus brought with it a certain sense of social insecurity. What's he going to say this time? And in our gospel reading this morning, Jesus is at it once again. Jesus is poking the religious bear right in the eye. And he's doing so with perhaps one of Israel's most sacred religious possessions, the Sabbath. We'll come back to this. The setting in Luke's gospel is already charged. Jesus has been igniting religious bombs for several chapters already. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God throughout all the synagogues in Judea. He was hosting kingdom meals, meals that would be associated with the coming Messiah, with the coming king, messianic banquets, if you will. But he was inviting all the wrong people to these kingdom meals, sinners and tax collectors, the despised and the lost sheep of Israel, And these messianic actions were not lost on the Pharisees, and they did not like it one bit. In the scene right before our reading today, uh, the Pharisees challenged Jesus on fasting. They say even John the Baptist and his disciples fasted. But it seems like you, Jesus, and your disciples are eating and drinking all the time. At one point, they even described Jesus as a glutton and a drunkard. And Jesus has the temerity to say to the the Pharisees, why would my disciples fast when the bridegroom is here with them? The wedding feast is on. The kingdom of God is in your midst. There will be a time for fasting, but not now. The king has returned to Zion, and I am he. Could someone please pass the cabernet? (laughs) So all of these scenes of provocation are, are building to our gospel reading today. They they create a sense of increased pressure that is boiling between the Pharisees and between Jesus. And we're about to see the lid blow off. As our reading says, all of this happens on a Sabbath. 
You know, the law says to honor the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. But the application of the Sabbath laws, they were and they are tricky matters of faithful practice. So the story goes that Jesus and his disciples, they picked some grain from the grain field. They, they rubbed the pods together in their hands and they'd have, I guess what we might call a little Sabbath snack. And the Pharisees called Jesus on the carpet. Why do you do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Now we could get lost in the details here because there were rabbinic debates even in Jesus' day as to whether or not Jesus was really breaking the Sabbath laws. But that's, that's completely beside the point of our narrative. It's clear what Jesus is doing. Jesus is poking the bear. And I know that I shouldn't fill in the blanks of our story with my imagination. I, I, I encourage my students not to do what I'm about to do. But I can't help but see Jesus pop a few grains into his mouth and swallow and then say to them, you remember when David, who was no priest entered the tabernacle and ate the showbread that was reserved for the Levite priests alone. He and his men were hungry and they were in need of food. Well, when David did that, Pharisees, he acted in accord with his unique role as the anointed king. And in case, Pharisees, what I'm saying to you with this reference is lost on you, let me clarify it. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It's a phrase that so many of us have heard before, yet the punch of it can get lost. Because when Jesus says this to the Pharisees, he couldn't have said anything more radical and more offensive about himself. Jesus identifies himself as both the Son of Man and the Lord of the Sabbath in one breath. In the classic work, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, he clarifies for us, and I, I like this turn of phrase that he uses, he, he clarifies for us what our options are when we have to come to terms with who Jesus is. You know, Jesus is either, and many of you have heard this, he's either Lord, lunatic, or liar. We can't settle with Jesus as sage teacher, miracle worker, or some kindly prophet. With the kinds of things that Jesus said and the kinds of things that Jesus did, he is either the Lord of the universe, a raving lunatic, or a flat-out liar. And I have to believe that when the Pharisees heard Jesus say, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, their immediate response was more toward the lunatic or liar options. Because who claims these titles for himself? Some kind of lunatic? Or is Jesus Christ, in fact, the Lord that he claims to be? Here are the implications. When Jesus describes himself as the Son of Man, he self-consciously is using a title from the book of Daniel. In chapter 7, Daniel has one of these bizarre night visions that he's accustomed to having, and he sees one like a Son of Man who was presented to the Ancient of Days. And the Ancient of Days hands over to this Son of Man the keys of the kingdom of God. And the Son of Man's dominion over this kingdom is an everlasting dominion in Daniel's vision. It's a vision that is never going to pass away. And already in Luke's gospel, we've seen Jesus preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. 
And now in Luke 6, Jesus identifies himself with the coming Son of Man in Daniel who would rule and reign over God's kingdom forever. So Jesus has just told the Pharisees, I'm the fulfilled promise of Daniel's night vision. I'm the Son of Man. I'm the promised Messiah. Well, if that's not scandalous enough, we're all red-cheeked at this moment, Jesus ups the ante with the second title. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath laws, Pharisees, that you're debating. I'm the Lord over it all. All of it finds its source and origin and goal and meaning and reference point in me. All of it. All scripture, all of its teachings attest to Jesus because Jesus is the Lord over it all. We can't even get out of Luke's gospel and turn into John 1 before we find the resurrected Jesus with his disciples having a Bible study with them, showing them how the law and the prophets all attest and witness to Jesus. When God gave Moses the law back on Mount Sinai, Jesus claims here to the Pharisees, when that happened way back then, I was a part of that process of divine instruction. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is claiming here the divinity of Israel's God right in front of the Pharisees. And if it's not true, then it's at best lunacy, And it's at worst, blasphemy. So here's Jesus, claiming himself in front of the Pharisees to be the Son of Man and Israel's God. But I think there's more here in this claim of Jesus that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Because Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath represents for us and is for us what the Sabbath promised. Jesus is our promised rest. He's the cessation from our labors. He's the needed exhale of our existence so that we can breathe and can have hope. The Sabbath, you see, promised a kind of being where we aren't defined by our labors and our efforts, but are defined by our relation to God. And Jesus is our rest. He is our Sabbath. He is our very means for relating to and knowing God and to prove it. Jesus, in the very next scene, heals a broken man on the Sabbath to show its true intent. Its intent to bring healing and wholeness to a fractured and a broken world. Jesus is the Son of Man, and he is the Lord over the Sabbath. And I have to think on this Lord's Day. Here we all are under this roof. We represent the masses in our own need for healing, in our own need for rest, your need for rest. You see, we all bring the particularity of our own burdens into this place. You wear them, I do. Life is never neat. We know that it comes to us rarely in a clean way. That one child who has you concerned and praying a lot, the relationships that you've invested so much into that aren't quite living up to their billing, the disappointments of frustrated aspirations and goals, or just the numbness of life where you perhaps have forgotten what it's like to feel. I don't know what your burden is, where you remain in need of healing. But I do know for all of us it's something. 
I mean, how many of us, if we're honest, when we're asked a question, how are you, we find our initial response to say, I'm tired. (laughs) And Jesus stands before us this morning in the pages of his word, and he tells us that if you think you'll find your true Sabbath rest, your true rest in the mechanics of religious performance or any cultural or societal means, then the wheels are going to continue to spin and the rest will never come. But Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the source of our true rest. And we won't know the fullness of that rest until we step on heaven's shores. No Christians get out of jail free cards that allow us to escape the challenges of human existence. But on this Sunday morning, today, we hear Jesus claim for himself the title, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And we hear him offer to us the promise. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.